Good morning. All right. Anybody ready for the word this morning? Come on, come on, come on. I need two people excited about the word of God. Two people, I'm good. I'll talk to you. The rest of you can listen, do whatever you want to do. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your awesome word. We thank you for the grace that transforms us, God. Father, we just rest in your presence for the next couple of moments, God, and we just ask that you would speak to us, that you would disregard the speaker and the listener, that you would get past all of that and speak to our hearts, Lord, and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Lean in, lean in if you're excited about the word. Here's the quote this morning. Grace is a gift that costs everything to the one who gives it and nothing to the one who receives it. I, I expected a little more rejoicing there. Grace costs nothing to the one who receives it but everything to the one who gives it. Amen? Amen, amen. I took a last couple of weeks off. I just was dealing with, you know, the, 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 the loss of my dad, and I just want to thank all of you for your wishes and your letters and your emails and for being there. You guys are awesome. And I took a week off. That, that was crazy for me. I hadn't, you know, not, I haven't missed a Sunday in a long time, and to, to be off on a Sunday was weird to say the least. And then the following Sunday I came and, we, and, and I just sat here and I kind of looked as, as Gary ministered and I was looking around and, and I felt like, man, there's so many new faces here. There's so many new families, so many visitors. And, and as I stare at the crowd, I wonder, you know, man, what are your stories? Where are you coming from? How'd you end up here? And then I start getting worried like I normally do. And I say, man, are we, are we reaching enough? Are we teaching enough? Are we answering the right questions? Are we dealing with the right issues? Because the, the truth of the matter is, some of us has, have ended up here from other churches. Some of us come here with all kinds of religious baggage. Right? We need to have like a section just for the luggage that you guys bring. Thank you, bro. Some of us come, and, and, and then on the other end, some of us, for some of us, this is all brand new. You've never been to church. The only thing you heard about church is all the stuff that you've heard through the years, you know, on the internet from friends. And, 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 and then the, some of us have been so messed up just from, we got issues from Catholic school back in the first few grades. Amen? And we still carry those, those things that we've heard about God with us all the way from back then. And so what I really felt like my heart to do during this time of reflection, I, I, I wanted for this season to do a series that would allow us to challenge what we've heard and, and, and understood so far up until this point in our lives. I want us to challenge what we've heard. Is, is that all right? So what I'd like to do for the next couple of weeks, however long it takes, I want to kind of journey through the scriptures and find the source of the stuff that we've been believing on. Amen? How many of you know some of the stuff you believe is not even in the Word? 
Some of the stuff that you guys quote as scriptures are not even in the word. And that's crazy, right? But it's just things that we hear and, and we've heard them for so long and we've just accepted them to be gospel, but they're not gospel. And so what, what I'd love is to just kind of walk through this thing. I want us to take a fresh look at grace in a series titled, Forget What You Heard. Amen? Tell somebody, forget what you heard. We're going to get renewed. Forget what you heard. We're going to start fresh. Anybody need a fresh start? Anybody tired? You got enough baggage. You got all these issues and you're walking around heavy and, and weighed down with guilt and, and shame and condemnation. I'm just trying to be a good Christian, man. I'm just trying to do the right thing. You got all this baggage. Can we just start fresh today? Amen? Tell somebody, forget what you heard. So the, the, the problem today is we have an abundance of abundance, don't we? We can, we, we can read books, we can read commentaries, we can read lexicons, we can listen to podcasts, we can download Bible study apps till we're blue in the face, we can go to Bible studies, and all that is great stuff. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. It's good to always be growing and learning, but there's a problem with that too. Amen? Because see, we can only take in so much before nothing sticks anymore. You ever been like oversaturated? That usually happens when the preacher preaches too long. It's just like, all right, man, you could have said that in 10 minutes, bro. It's an hour and a half. I'm hungry. Right? That's why I keep our messages down to less than two hours. However the Spirit leads. Hallelujah, santo. So we can only, the problem, we can only take in so much before nothing gets through. The other problem is we're accountable for what we've received. That's not a good one though, right? The other, that, that's, that's, we're accountable. Everything that we've received that's real gospel, we're accountable to live that thing. And then another problem with that is in our efforts, and, and this happens to my, to my really, you know, on fire Christians, in our effort to be so spiritual, sometimes we skip over the simple. Sometimes we skip over the simple, and, 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 and that drives me crazy. That's probably one of my, my worst ones. When people, I always hear people saying, I want more Bible studies. I want to, how come we don't have more discipleship? We need to have more of this and more. And, and in my head, I start getting judgmental. I'm sorry, I'm confessing. But in my head, I said, but, but what do you want more if you are already not doing what you know to do? Well, it got quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> I offended a couple people. I'm sorry. My email is mark at Sanctuary Fellowship. <laughs> Send me all the bad emails you want. I offended you. I'm sorry. But usually, you know, and so I, I, I'm concerned because I find a lot of the time, and, and just hear me out. This is me. This is not Bible. I'm, I'm finding a lot of the time, the more we learn and the more we grow, the less we become like Jesus. Can, can I get into it this morning? The more we take in, the more church we get, the more sermons we listen to, the more podcasts, the more Bible studies, the less we are like the one we claim that we follow. I, I just believe that's a problem in the church today. I read a couple of books in these last couple of weeks, and, and in, the, in the book Abba's Child, Brendan Manning quotes, 
as partakers of his divine nature in us, the noblest of our aspirations and the most demanding task of our lives is to become more like Christ. But I find that the more we learn and the more we read about Christ, the more we become like the Pharisees that he wanted no part of. My fear as a pastor... There's a, there's a Gandhi quote that always resound, resounds in my head. Gandhi is quoted for saying, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. Is that an indictment on the church? I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. So, see, as free as we are and as liberated as we've become, there's a little Pharisee in us. Anybody admit to that today? That shows up whenever we get pushed out of our comfort zones. The, the truth of the matter is the Pharisee living in us turns from sinners in judgment while Jesus always turns toward them with kindness. Brennan says, one of the mysteries of the gospel tradition is the strange attraction, think about this, for Jesus, for the unattractive, the strange desire for the undesirable, the strange love that he had for the unlovely. How many know we got a long way to go? Amen? So I'd like you for you to walk with me on this journey. And I'll tell you right now that the way it did in Jesus' time, this journey might stir up some emotions in you. It might shake your theology a little. It might force you to deal with that little bit of religious Pharisee that we find in all of us. But if you're really ready for some more, can we press in? Can we put our phones away? Can we, can we leave Pinterest for a couple moments? Can we let our Instagram rest for a little bit? People are putting up pictures of their shoes right now. Who cares? Can we just... Can Really? Really? I bet you. I didn't see, but I bet you there is right now. I bet you right now, six people put up pictures of their shoes. Like, who cares? We have a unique opportunity right now for the next couple of moments or an hour or two to, to just press into God's Word... And those Instagram, Pinterest, that stuff is going to be there when we leave. I promise. It doesn't get erased. You know. You go back six and seven hours. Right? You do it all the time. So if you're really ready for more, can we press in? Can we tweet about it later? Amen? All right. So here we go. Forget what you heard. Story number one. And don't worry. We're only going to do one today. Everybody's like, oh, man, number one. That means there's two, three, maybe. This could be like a seven-point message. We're here all day. One, one story today. Journey with me to the story that we find in Luke 15. We know it as the story of the prodigal son. I don't know why that was funny, but... I want to try to paint today a fuller picture of this parable. I've, I've preached from this parable before and, and never gave it the fullness that it needed because I just wasn't there yet. 
But I've been reading, I've been researching, I, I read a, a, an entire book that Tim Keller wrote called The Parable of the Prodigal God. And I love that he words that parable that way. The Parable of the Prodigal God. First, let's get through definition. Prodigal means recklessly extravagant. Recklessly extravagant. It means having spent everything. Amen? So it's important to look at who Jesus was talking to when he talks, right? Because we, we can't just take whatever Jesus is saying. We have to understand who he's talking to because it matters. Amen? So if, if we look at chapter 15, verse 1, it says this. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying... This man receives sinners and he eats with them. So the sinners and the tax collectors, you have to understand, they never gathered around the Pharisees. The sinners and the tax collectors, they never gathered around the scribes and the religious people of that time because they wanted nothing to do with them. But every time Jesus came on the scene, the, the outcasts gathered. They were all drawn to him. And so there was something about Jesus that attracted the outcasts and the people that everyone of that day hated and pushed aside. It wasn't religion because the Pharisees had religion, but they didn't draw the outcasts. It wasn't spirituality because like today everybody wants to be spiritual, right? So they'll listen to anybody, any bombolong that just wants to talk about something spiritual. People are drawn to because people are just hungry today for something spiritual. But it wasn't spirituality because the Pharisees had that. And nobody gathered. So there were two kinds of people gathered at the moment. There were the religious and the irreligious. There were the sacred and the secular. There were the holy and the worldly. To use some Christian words that we use, right? Can I tell you something today? Forget what you heard. There was something about the light in Jesus that attracted the lost. Church, we, just, we simply need to do one simple test to see if we're like Jesus. Are we attracting the lost? You know how, this might be a bad illustration, but you know how when you're sitting outside in somebody's backyard or barbecue and it gets dark and you put on the one light... And you know how all the bugs come to that light? See, there's something about pure light that draws the ugly. They've learned that if you use yellow lights, it doesn't attract the bugs. So the world has learned that if you diffuse the light, it won't attract the loss, it won't bother them, it'll, everybody will be alright. But a pure light attracts the ugly mm. Mm. I intend to <laughs> amen if we're not attracting the lost like Jesus did then we have to ask ourselves is the light in us the spirit of God or is it the spirit of religiosity is it the spirit of I just want to look good see the Pharisees thought that it's better to look good than to be good amen and that's probably what rubbed Jesus the wrong way every time when it came to them. So, so, okay, so those are the two people that are gathered there to hear. So Jesus does what he does when people gather. He starts telling stories, right? Every time 
people gather around Jesus, he starts telling stories. And so he starts with the first story, the story of the parable of the lost sheep. In that parable, there was 99 sheep, lost sheep there. One got lost. The shepherd went and he found them. Then he tells the parable of the lost coin. There were 10 coins. One got lost. The lady went and she found it. And at every, every time that there was, there was a celebration after because something that was lost was found. Amen? So then he starts in verse 11 with the parable that we've always called the prodigal son. But here's how Jesus starts it. He says, there was a man who had two sons. Two sons. It's a story about two sons. That should have been our first clue. There was a younger brother and an older brother. Many of you know this story. We, we've seen it in movies. We, the, the secular world markets it a lot. The prodigal son, the return of the prodigal son, right? Many of you know the story. I'll give you the real quick cliff note version. The younger brother comes to the father one day and he says, Yo, dad, I want my inheritance. Now, you guys know, because that's part of our culture too, that if when your dad dies, he has any money, that inheritance gets split to the sons, right? So him coming to this, this is a Middle Eastern culture, him coming to his dad and saying, I want my inheritance is totally disrespectful. It's shameful. What he's saying is, dad, I wish that you were dead. So he's saying, I just give me my share. And, and the father in that culture didn't have to respond. He could have smacked the teeth out of his mouth. But the father says, it says in the next sentence, and the father did it. Right? And so, you know, he, he was saying, see, the, the, the younger brother wanted the father's things, but didn't want the father. I'll let that marinate. The father most probably had to sell off some property in order to liquidate some money in order to be able to give his son his share. And so he does that and he divides it up and he gives the younger son his share. And the word tells us that a few days later, the son gathered because it probably took that long to get the money. He had to sell off property, sell maybe cattle, sell whatever. He had to get that money together, right? He couldn't go to the ATM and get money out. So the, the father tells us that he does it, he divides it up, he gives the younger son his share, and a few days later the son gathers all that he has, and he takes off on an MTV spring break trip to Miami, South Beach. The word says that, look it, look it in your word. It says, and then here's what happens for the next couple of days. He parties like he's in a music video. He got the Escalade with the open top, with the spinning rims. It's glowing blue to the music. And this thing is banging. You hear it from four camels away. I mean, this thing is crazy. He's got four video hoes in, the, in there with him. And they're all in their bikinis. And they're dancing. And they got the Patron and the Cristal. And, and it's a party. You understand? That's in your Bible. Read it. He, and, and it says, he, this party goes on reckless. I mean, they're just reckless. Up and down South Beach. Wreck. He's paying for everybody. He's getting everybody. It is reckless. He's got bling and ice with his name on it. He's, forget it. It's, picture the party. Because it says that he spends an inheritance. An inheritance. On reckless living. And now, what happens when the Patron is over? 
the friends start to fade out, right? When there's no more bling, the people start to bounce. The videos were getting paid by the hour, so they're gone. So now he's broke. The next morning, the repo man comes real early in the morning, jacks up the Escalade, that's gone. He is broke, broke, broke. You never heard the prodigal son like that, right? He is broke. That's in your Bibles. You should read. And what happens? He's broke and a severe famine hits the land. I mean, you know, it's bad enough when you're broke. But then when you're broke and the economy tanks, that means you're broke and there's no jobs. There's no surplus. There's no abundance. How many of you, listen, this is just a story. This didn't happen. This is a story that Jesus told, but some of us have been there. Right? You, how many of you have ever said, man, when it rains, it pours? <laughs> he went from having everything, having everyone to, to nothing. So, some of us has been there. Listen, so the only job he can get, the only job available was working at Taco Bell, throwing out the spoiled meat from the day before. I'm taking some liberties, but understand this is, it fits. And so he has the lowest job that he can get. He's throwing out the spoiled meat. He, the, the Bible says, you know, he's, he's throwing slop to the pigs. And he's so low. You ever been so low? You ever been so hungry, so broke, so at your lowest that you do think of doing something that you never thought that you would see yourself doing? Come on, we've been there. And so he's, he's, he's throwing this spoiled meat out and he's wishing that he had, somebody would give him some of that so that he could eat. And the awesome verse 17, everybody loves this one. And then he came to his senses. And, he, and, and, and now, now this is only a story that Jesus is telling again, but forget what you heard. Could it be that when things in our lives go from bad to worse, could it be that when we're thinking about doing something that we never imagined ourselves doing, could it be that God is trying to get us to come to our senses? Anybody ever been at the bottom and realized, the, the, another version says, and he came to himself. He said, wait a minute. I'm, I'm me. My daddy got dough. I'm the son of a king. And, and so he says he came to himself. And, and, and he realized, man, my, my, my father's servants eat better than this. And so he said, I'll just go back to my dad and I throw myself at his feet. And I said, dad, let me be one of your servants. And so the word says that he rehearses the speech, right? And he practiced the speech and he gets ready to go. And, and he decides to go back and work for his father. So he prepares his little speech and then he turns back and he heads to the father's house. And one of the most touching and emotional parts of this story to us is this part, verse 20. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and he ran. This sounds beautiful to us, but it's even more beautiful because you have to understand in that culture, a Middle Eastern man of his age will not run. Young boys run. Women might run. But a Middle Eastern man of his stature, of his age, they're not going to pick up their tunics. You like the socks? 
They're not going to pick up the tunics, show their legs, and run. They don't do that. That's, that's disrespect. He would not have done that. But this man ran. And it says, he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, he he didn't even let him finish his confession, his little rehearsal. He didn't even let him finish the speech. He, He runs to his servants and he says, quickly, get me the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate you got to understand that's not a celebration in this culture you don't have meat with every meal meat is expensive you don't have meat with every meal this was a big deal and to kill the fattened calf the fattened calf is the most expensive it's the best meat so he he calls for a big but this was he bigger than a wedding celebration oh man what does that remind you of He says, for this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And they begin to celebrate. And somebody needs to hear this today. Listen, you've blown it. You've ran from God. You've squandered away every opportunity you've ever been given. You know you messed up so bad and people have told you you're a loser. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything right. You'll never straighten up. Nobody even cares that you left. Nobody wants you back. I want you to forget what you heard. I want you to see the picture and understand that for the father to see him a long way off means that the father was watching. For the father to see him from a long way off, it means that the father was waiting. Listen, some of you sitting in church today, and we know you're faking it. But I want you to know the father's watching. The father's waiting. He's still looking for you. He's still waiting for you. You have to see the picture and understand that before the son repents, the father's hugging and running toward him. Did did, did you get that? Before the, the father doesn't know why the son is coming back. He could just be coming back to try to get more money. He could just be coming back like a derelict saying, yo, I know there's more, give me another camel at least, or give me this and that. He could be coming back with the worst intentions. The father never heard him repent. He's already running toward him and jumping on him and embracing him. He doesn't know why the son is coming back, and he puts a robe on him. And when you put a robe on him, it restores his royalty. He was letting him know you're royalty again. He puts, he puts shoes on his feet. He's restoring his position. He puts a ring on his finger. You got to understand, to have the father's ring, you, that's like, a, D, uh, that's like a, a platinum credit card in that time. With that ring, you can, you can say, I want four camels. You want four camels? Who are you? How much money? How much money is it going to cost? You go, oh, okay, four camels coming up. What color? You understand? The ring, the ring, and that. So he restores his, his favor. He restores him. See, the message, you got to hear this. The message of God's grace is that God's grace can pardon any and every sin and wrongdoing. Please, you got to hear this today. Forget what you heard. Keller puts it this way There is no evil that the Father's love cannot cover. And there is no sin that is a match for God's grace. Can somebody breathe easier today? 
There's no sin that's a match for God's grace. And so what happens? He throws this incredible party. It, it spreads and people hear about it. And before you know it, it is a feast. You know, when people hear there's a party, they come. Right? And especially in that time. So, so it's a feast. Before you know it, this party is, is, is traveled. It's a big thing going on. And, and that's an awesome story for us. And, man, we can preach it all day. Right? We can preach that story all day. The prodigal son returns and is, he's forgiven and there's a party and it's awesome. But, and a lot of times we've prayed for the prodigal sons to return. That, that, you know, we use this a lot, but we have to understand there's more to this story than that. Amen? Forget what you heard. The people that he's telling this story to, they're not going to see it the way we see it. It's a story of two brothers. And so the story goes on. The older brother hears about what's going on and he gets angry. And the older brother refuses to go to the feast. The older brother stands outside of the feast. Now it's the older brother's turn to disrespect the father. For him to not enter the feast and to force the father to leave the guests and to come out of the feast and, and to deal with him is another big disgrace in that culture. But the father leaves the feast because the father doesn't care about what other people think. The father doesn't care about the party. The father doesn't care about the feast. The father cares about the sons. No, no, you need to hear that again. A father cares about his sons. The father cares about the sons. And so he goes out and he leaves the feast. He leaves the party. He leaves the knowing that this could bring disrespect and shame to him. It doesn't matter. He cares about the sons. He goes out and he pleads with the eldest son. And, and when, he, when he gets to the eldest son, the eldest son speaks to him disrespectfully. He doesn't address him correctly. He just says, look, these many years I've served you, he's telling his father. I've never disobeyed your commands, and yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But you give this derelict, you who disgraced you in front of your friends, who wasted all your money on parties and prostitutes, and you give him a fattened calf, the most expensive choice meat. What's the brother's issue? Ask somebody, like, what's his issue, man? What's his problem? Think about it. He's adding up the numbers. He knows all of this is now coming out of his portion of the inheritance. The brother took his portion and spent it. So the older brother's adding up the numbers. And he says, by, by putting the robe on the younger brother again, that made him an heir again to share in the little that we got now. So the other, older brother's crunching the numbers, and he's saying to the father, I've worked hard all of this time. I've done good things, and my brother has done nothing but bad things. See, the older brother is saying, I've done good works. I deserve more than him. Church, be careful that you don't find yourself there. Be careful that you never get so self-righteous and so holy that in your prayers you pray, God, I do better than they do. Why don't you answer my prayers? God, I don't do the things that that guy does. I don't act the way that guy acts. How come you don't answer my prayer? What you're saying is, God, because of my good works, I control you. That's a dangerous place to be, church. Forget what you heard. 
about how you know you're more righteous than the, forget what you heard you we we can't come to the father like that he he's the father could be very offended right now and again he could smack the teeth out of this son but he doesn't he responds with compassion and he tells the the older brother now he says listen my son i want you at the feast he gives him an invitation to the feast he says, but understand something. I'm not going to disown your, young, your younger brother because I want him there too. God is saying, I want the good and I want the bad at the feast. Come on, somebody said we should rejoice for a minute. The crazy part of this story, watch this, is that Jesus ends the story right there. So he doesn't tell us. We don't know what happens. We don't know if the son humbles himself and accepts the invitation into the feast. Or we don't know if he hardens his heart and he says, forget you and leaves. So it brings us to ask, so why is Jesus telling this story? Can, can you turn to somebody and say, why? Come on, I'm, I'm almost done. Promise. See, it's bigger than what we've thought in the past, this, this parable. He's, he's defining, Jesus is defining our idea of sin. You ready? Remember this, there's two groups of people gathered around listening. The sinners and the Pharisees. The religious and the irreligious. Jesus is saying there are two brothers in the story. The younger brother represents the sinners. The older brother represents the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And he's saying, they're both wrong. But they're both loved. <laughs> Forget what you heard about daddy. They're both wrong. But they're both loved. These brothers are on two spiritual paths. You guys can ID with whoever you ID with today. The Father's love goes out to both brothers with grace. One chooses recklessness. He wants to throw off control. He wants to find his own way. He wants to do his own thing. He eventually realized that he needed saving. He says, I've tried everything. I've had the Escalade. I've had the hose. I've had the money. I've had the bling, the drugs. I, I've been reckless with it. I, I, and it didn't satisfy. At the end, I was empty. I was alone. I was broke. I was hungry. And I needed a savior. The older brother, he chose correctness. But he chose correctness to gain control. He feels like he's better than the others. He feels like God owes him because he's been so good. He says, I'm more religious. I'm more spiritual than my brother. I should be closer to you, God. I should have peace in my life. I should get everything I want because I give up everything to follow you, to do what's right. He's joyless. His religion has made him unforgiving. You know that religion, good things can make you bad? Can, can we get that in church today? Good things, good ways, good things can make you bad. His religion has made him bitter. His religion has made him joyless, has made him unforgiving. It's made him insecure. The older brother has no assurance of the love of God. He sees the sin in others, but he can't see the sin in him. Jesus shows us by the story that the older brother is the more dangerous of the two. Doesn't that blow anybody's mind? 
The younger brother finally knew he was alienated from God, but the older was wrong and he didn't even see it. Tim Keller says so many younger brothers today leave the church and are never a part of it because there are too many older brothers in it. Forget what you heard. One is labeled bad and one is labeled good. Grace says they're both wrong, but they're both loved. Imagine the faces of the Pharisees when this story concludes with the fact that the bad son is in the feast and the good son does not. Keller says, the lover of prostitutes is saved, but the man with morals is not. Come on, somebody got to take a little joy in that for a minute. The one who thinks he has it all together, the one who thinks he can enter into the narrow gateway by himself, he's still outside the feast. The one who tried everything else and realized he needed God and then turned to God, he's partying now in the feast. Amen? Family, we have to be careful how we define our spirituality and watch our judgment. Forget what you heard. Grace paints a really different picture of sin. We're not called to be religious. We're called to be light. And in the light, lost people get saved. Lost people get found. The Pharisee living in us turns from sinners. Jesus turns toward them with kindness. Amen? Church, I want you to understand. Worship team, you guys can come. I'm not taking a fresh look at grace so that we can be more free to do whatever we want. Because a, 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 lot, of, a lot of Christianity today has, has taken that. They say, no, everything is grace. Everything is free. Everything is good. Are they getting drunk, getting high, sleeping around? Grace, grace covers everything, man. God loves me. That's, that's not what this word is saying. You understand? Can I be clear about that? Grace should be a mirror that we look into and are able to realize that not one of us is deserving, that not one of us is perfect, that not one of us can earn what God has earned for us. We all have to choose to walk in it. Amen? We're going to worship in a moment to close. And whether you're the older brother or the younger brother, thank you. Whether we're the one that the church labels bad or the one that the world labels good, you understand that those labels mean nothing. The truth is that at times we're all wrong but we're still loved that's all I want you to leave here with you could be wrong but you're still loved that's the gospel I want you to respond to it today however you see feel you must the truth is we all must come to the father's house in repentance and accept the feast that he throws when a brother comes home amen Let's just bow our heads as we...